Welcome back to the Working Fans Podcast. This is Joe, and we're bringing you a special preview of episode two. It's the interview that we did with AJ about his wrestling career, and with Dave about both his friendship with AJ and his kind of career as a fan. You can find us on Twitter, at FansWorking. We are on Instagram, at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. We have a Facebook page, The Working Fans Podcast, and we are so happy to say that you can find our show on anchor.fm slash workingfanpod and also a growing list of podcast sites. Currently, we are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. So sit back. We have a quick ad we're going to play for you, and then we'll get right to a preview of the interview we did with AJ. Thank you. For the past couple months, AJ, Dave, and myself have been developing this podcast. We started it as a place to talk wrestling since in our everyday lives, there's not too many people that we could sit and talk wrestling with. But we want this to be your go-to spot to listen to people talk wrestling. Now, the following interview, it'll be about AJ's wrestling career, but it also kind of serves as an introduction to us as a group overall. AJ, what are your first memories of wrestling? My first memories of wrestling, I go back to a different time period. I go back to your Georgia Championship Wrestling. The richest memories that I have is Florida Championship Wrestling. I grew up in a time period where Dusty Rhodes was my hero, Mm. and I was terrified of Kevin Sullivan. I didn't realize someday I'd be a foot taller than Kevin Sullivan, but at the time period that I grew up with, I was absolutely terrified of him. And to this day, I still have respect for that character because you talk about somebody who just totally dove in deep. And we talk about factions sometimes when we talk about different things in wrestling. But one of the original factions actually was Kevin Sullivan's faction down there where he had um, Maniac Mark Lewin. He had Mike Davis, woman who who most of us know going on as Nancy Benoit and Mm -hmm. later on as woman also. It, it was just such a terrifying, King Curtis, sorry, such a terrifying faction. And I just, between that and Georgia Championship Wrestling, where I was, I was, well, I, and then the other person who got me hooked was Rowdy Piper. Mm. Watching Rowdy Piper on Georgia Championship Wrestling Same. was absolutely incredible. Dave, what were your early memories of wrestling? It's, it's kind of funny, uh, Rowdy Piper, because my earliest memories are probably Bob Backlund and Jimmy Snuka. But like when I really got sucked into wrestling, I would say it was Hogan and it was Piper breaking the coconut over Jimmy Snooker's head. Now, guys, we know this is a podcast. So you can't see us, so you don't know that the reason why he loved Bob Backlund was because it was his ginger hero. Day, day. I never said I love Bob Backlund. I actually said those were my earliest memories. <laughs> I remember the cross-faced chicken wing. He's on like, Big why John does this stuff. guy have red hair like I do? I used to walk around singing the Captain... You remember Captain Captain Planet? Planet, you're my hero. I used (laughs) to sing that theme song because that came on before WCW, and it would be stuck in my head as I'm watching the wrestling. I'd be cheering for Nikita Koloff and sitting there going, Captain Planet, you're a hero. Now, AJ, how did you make the jump from just being a fan to actually being active in the business to some degree? Well, I did what a lot of kids do. I used to read the magazines. And back when I was reading the magazines, you're talking about the early 90s, they always had ads for different wrestling schools in the back of there. And it's not like today where you can check on the internet and see who's the best place to go, who you can learn from. You pretty much had to just make a phone call or send a letter and hope for a response. 
So I called him up and I was, I didn't know what I was expecting, but he answers the phone and he answers with that British accent, which I'm not going to try to impersonate because I can't. He answers the phone and, and I'm, I would love to learn how to wrestle. Is there anything that you can do for me? And he said, well, send me your money and I'll teach you how to wrestle. We got apartments here. I went down there. I stayed in apartments with him, learned how to wrestle for a couple months. Got stretched a good amount by a man half my size. I joked around before about Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. But if you want to meet one of the baddest people on the planet, do yourself a favor. Go watch the WWE Network for $9.99 this month, and you'll see what I went through. He would manipulate your fingers, your knees, your ankles. And back then, you didn't learn how to wrestle like today, where you're going to a performance center. They've got crash pads. They've got... I learned how to wrestle in a ring that basically had a rug on the bottom of it. So I would get rug burn all over me. There was cement underneath it with a pad in between. And you learned how to take bumps and learn moves and get the crap beat out of you. The sad part for me is that Dave got to see that match. He didn't get to see the matches that I got to have against Jimmy Snuka. (laughs) Didn't get to see me wrestle Rick Martel. The one match that he got to see was me get an ass drop on my face from... (laughs) AJ, who was helpful to you throughout your career? I had some people that were very helpful to me. I was lucky enough that in the New England area, it was very much like a family. So the people would help out in that area. And he helped a lot with the timing. I'm quite sure that my relevancy to him is slim to none. But I can tell you his his relevancy to me absolutely huge because his timing in the ring in 1994 1995 was as good as anybody who you could see another one who's unfortunately no longer with us those of you who may have seen him in the wwe developmental or in the early 2000s he was in the wwe for a little bit he was an absolutely incredible worker and he was closer to my size he was i want to say about six one six two and about 225 pounds. By that point, I'm about 250. He was ripped, if I remember But, right, but yeah. he was pretty ripped up for most yeah. of his career. He did have his demons, and he did have some battles. We won't go into that. But I will tell you that between the two of them, uh, they were incredibly helpful and were always willing to work with you, give you advice. They were kind as can be in there. Uh, so, now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of people along the way also, and I'm not going to mention any of them. But I went through the time period where you would go through stuff like the chop factory, where they would put you in the corner and basically chop you like 50 times in a row to see if you could take it and come back the next week. So there were both sides about, of the coin. Exactly. What were the indies like when you wrestled them versus kind of how they are now? It's much more professional now. What I see on the indies now is people that actually want to work together. Everybody rises together. Everybody helps each other out. Mm-hmm. People are trained professionals. They're getting, first of all, the schooling's much better. The schooling that people go to now, whether it's the Storm Academy, which is closing down, or whether it's places like Create a Pro, or places of um, the Dudleys, the School of Morton, Glenn Jacobs and Tom Pritchard. You have so many places now where people can get great wrestling training compared to what we went through. We were more of a a trial by fire. And whereas these guys are just so good now. 
I have the utmost respect. I know a lot of the old timers would love to just sit there and go, well, back in my day, we could hold the headlock for three hours and the crowd would pop. I noticed a size differential between a lot of guys where like, there were guys I was bigger than. And I bring that up because he was actually with me getting autographs and buying merch. Oh, no, I'm a giant now. Yeah, and because <laughs> he was so big, there was actually a special needs kid who went up and actually asked for his autograph because he thought he was the wrestler. And I thought, oh, okay, right, because that's different now. I was very quick, though, to let him know that I'm the retired guy and don't do this anymore. Now, AJ, how did being in the business change your view of wrestling versus just being a fan? It actually made me more of a fan. Really? I have so much respect for what these guys can do on a weekly basis. When you look at people out there, your Matt Crosses, and you look at what they do and how phenomenal of a job they do, JT Dunn, people of that nature. You've got people traveling, working three, four times a week, traveling from country to country, working so hard and putting on incredible matches with so many different styles. To me, what they do now on the independence especially is more like what they used to do in the old territory days where you would have a Ric Flair who would be working as a territory champion and would work with so many different styles and had to make that different style look well. Well, the difference is back then, only the main champion had to do that. Now you have all these different indie wrestlers who are doing this on a weekly basis. And the other big difference is the women wrestling. When I was wrestling, you had people who, women who were trying to break through, but were kind of having a boot on their head and somebody going, no, you're not gonna do that. I worked with somebody, Brandy... Um, Alexander? Yes. Mm-hmm. I worked with Brandy Alexander, and I got to train with her back in Yankee Pro Wrestling in some of the traveling spots, and she was an absolutely phenomenal athlete, and she could work, but she was basically being told in that time period, you're doing too much work. We need a little bit more fluff and a little less of that quality work, so that's great. My point is very simple. It's amazing what these guys do, and the amount of respect that I have for them on a daily basis is astronomical. When it came time for you to step away from the ring, what was that like for you? It was probably the hardest thing. The night that we're doing this broadcast, I'm actually leaving from doing this podcast to go to... And that's where we're going to end this preview. If you want to find out questions to who trained AJ, who were a couple of guys in the industry that were helpful to AJ throughout his career, and who Dave's favorite announcer is of all time, tune in Thursday to the newest episode of the Working Fans Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at FansWorking, on Instagram at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. Don't forget that Facebook page, Working Fans Podcast. And you can find us, you can find the show at anchor.fm slash WorkingFansPod. And remember, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. We'll see you Thursday, and thanks for listening.